stare contro la Today I shall continue to relate the accounts of the lives of the Badri companions, i.e. those companions who took part in the Battle of Badr. The name of the first companion that I shall mention today is Hazrat Amir bin Salama. Hazrat Amir bin Salama is also referred to as Amr bin Salama and he belonged to the Bali tribe and Bali is a branch of the ancient Arab tribe of Qudha which is found in Yemen. And it is owing to this association that he is also referred to as Amr bin Salama Balawi. Hazrat Amir was a confederate of the Ansar and he also had the honour of participating in the battles of Badr and the battle of Ahad. The second companion to be mentioned is Hazrat Abdullah bin Suraka. Hazrat Abdullah bin Suraka belonged to the Banu Adi clan of the Quraysh, which was the tribe of Hazrat Umar bin al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And Hazrat Abdullah bin Suraka's lineage connects with Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu through a man called Reha in the fifth generation of his ancestors. And his lineage connects with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, through a man called Kaab in the tenth generation of his ancestors. Hazrat Abdullah bin Suraka's father's name was Suraka bin Mu'tamir and his mother's name was Amar bint Abdullah. His sister's name was Zainab and his brother's name was Amr bin Suraka. Hazrat Abdullah bin Suraka's wife's name was Humayma bint Haris with whom he had a son called Abdullah. A majority of the historians have mentioned that Hazrat Abdullah bin Suraka participated in the Battle of Badr. However, there are some historians who say that he did not participate in Badr but participated in the Battle of Uhud and the subsequent battles. 
But in any case, according to the majority's view, Hazrat Abdullah and his brother Amr bin Suraka had the honour of participating in the Battle of Badr. And we find that the names of Umar or Usman bin Abdullah, Zaid and Ayyub bin Abdurrahman among the progeny of Hazrat Abdullah bin Suraka radiyallahu ta'ala anhum. Abdullah bin Abu Bakr narrates that Hazrat Abdullah bin Suraka radiyallahu ta'ala anhum migrated from Mecca to Medina alongside his brother Amr. And both of them stayed at the home of Hazrat Rafa bin Abdul Munzir radiyallahu ta'ala anhum. Hazrat Abdullah bin Suraka radiyallahu ta'ala anhu passed away during the Khilafat of Hazrat Usman radiyallahu ta'ala anhu in 35 Hijri. And it is narrated by Hazrat Abdullah bin Suraka that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that the saharu wa bil that is, partake of the sahri, even if it is only with water, sahri meaning the meal that is taken early in the morning before fasting. Therefore, it is incumbent to partake of sahri before the fast. The name of the next companion to be mentioned is Hazrat Malik bin Abu Kholi. Hazrat Malik bin Abu Kholi belonged to the tribe of Banu Ijal, who were confederates of the Banu Adi bin Qab clan of the Quraysh. His father's title was Abu Kholi, and his name was Amr bin Zuhair. Hazrat Malik's name is also recorded as Hilal, and at the time when Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu migrated from Mecca to Medina, he was also accompanied by Hazrat Malik and his brother Hazrat Khuli radiallahu ta'ala anhu, in addition to the rest of the members of his own family. Hazrat Malik participated in the Battle of Badr alongside his brother Khuli. And according to one narration, Hazrat Khuli radiallahu ta'ala anhu participated in the Battle of Badr alongside his two brothers, Hazrat Halal radiallahu ta'ala anhu, i.e. Hazrat Malik, and Hazrat Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Malik bin Abu Khuli passed away during the Khilafat of Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala anhu. The next companion to be mentioned is Hazrat Waqid bin Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. The name of Hazrat Waqid's father was Abdullah bin Abdimanaf and he belonged to the tribe of Banu Tamim. Hazrat Waqid radiallahu ta'ala anhu was a confederate of Khattab bin Nufail, and according to one narration, he was a confederate of Banu Adi bin Kaab, which was a tribe of the Quraysh. Hazrat Waqid radiallahu ta'ala anhu was also among the individuals we find mention of in the books of history, who accepted Islam as a result of the preaching efforts of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Waqid radiallahu ta'ala anhu had accepted Islam before the Holy Prophet peace be upon him went to Dari Arkam. And I have already spoken on what Dari Arkam was some time ago. However, I will briefly mention it again. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him considered establishing a tablighi center i.e. for the purpose of propagating the message of Islam in Mecca where Muslims could gather together for prayers etc. and to peacefully and without any hindrances seek guidance from the Holy Prophet peace be upon him regarding matters relating to their moral training, as well as serving as a place where the message of Islam could be preached from. Therefore, for this purpose they were in need of a house, which could serve as a centre of the headquarters. Hence, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, chose the house of Urkam bin Abi Urkam, 
who had recently accepted Islam. This house was located at the foot of Mount Safa, and following this, Muslims would gather and offer the prayers at this very place. Furthermore, when those people who were in search for the truth came to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would preach to them the message of Islam from this very place. And due to this very reason, this house has become renowned in history and is also famously known as Darus Salam. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, fulfilled his responsibilities from Dari Arkham for approximately three years. That is, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, made it the center in the fourth year after his appointment to prophethood and continued his works of preaching and providing moral training from there until the end of the sixth year. And historians write that the last person to accept Islam in Dari Arkham was Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu and that following his acceptance of Islam, the Muslims were greatly strengthened and that they left Dari Arkham and openly started to preach the message of Islam. When Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu migrated from Mecca to Medina, along with other members of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu's family, Hazrat Waqid radiallahu ta'ala anhu also accompanied him. And after migrating from Mecca to Medina, Hazrat Waqid radiallahu ta'ala anhu stayed with Hazrat Rifa bin Abdul Munzir radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Following this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, formed a bond of brotherhood between Hazrat Waqid and Hazrat Bishr bin Barar radiallahu anhumah. Hazrat Waqid participated alongside the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in all battles, including the battles of Badr, Uhud and Khandak. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, sent an expedition under the command of Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahash radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Hazrat Waqid radiallahu ta'ala anhu was also a member of this delegation. An individual from the kuffar, i.e. the disbelievers, Amr bin Hazrami was killed by Hazrat Waqid radiallahu ta'ala anhu during this very expedition. And Amr bin Hazrami was the first idolater to have been killed in the history of Islam. And Hazrat Waqid radiallahu ta'ala anhu was the first Muslim to have killed an idolater during any battle. However, I have already mentioned the details of this battle in relation to Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahsh radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Waqid radiallahu ta'ala anhu passed away towards the beginning of the Khilafat of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. The next companion to be mentioned is Hazrat Nasr bin Haris radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Nasr bin Haris belonged to the Banu Abd bin Razak, which was a tribe of the Ansar. His name is also mentioned as Numair bin Haris and his title was Abu Haris. Hazrat Nasr bin Haris's father was Haris bin Abd and the name of his mother was Soda bin Tisawad. Hazrat Nasr bin Haris radiallahu ta'ala anhu had the honor of participating in the battle of Badr and his father Haris radiallahu ta'ala anhu also had the honor of being a companion of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. Hazrat Nasr bin Haris radiallahu ta'ala anhu was martyred during the Battle of Qadsiyah. Qadsiyah is an area in Iran, or modern-day Iraq, situated at a distance of 45 miles from Kufa. In the 14th year after Hijrah, i.e. migration of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, from Mecca to Medina, 
and during the Khilafat of Hazrat Umar ta'ala anhu, a decisive war was fought between Muslims and the Sassanids at the Qadsiyah. And as a result of this, the Sassanid Empire fell into the hands of the Muslims. The next companion to be mentioned is Hazrat Malik bin Amr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Malik bin Amr radiallahu ta'ala anhu belonged to a family from the tribe of Banu Sulaim called Banu Hijr, who were a confederate of the Banu Abdi Shams. The name of his father was Amr bin Sumed, and Hazrat Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu participated in the Battle of Badr along with his two brothers, Hazrat Saqaf bin Amr radiallahu ta'ala anhu and Hazrat Mudlij bin Amr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu participated alongside the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in the Battle of Uhud and other battles, and he was martyred during the Battle of Yamama in the twelfth year after Hijrah. The next companion to be mentioned is Hazrat Numan bin Asr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Numan belonged to the Ansar tribe of Bali and was a confederate of the tribe of Banu Muawiyah. Hazrat Numan radiallahu ta'ala anhu was also called Laqit bin Asr and similarly he was also known as Numan bin Balvi. Hazrat Numan bin Asr radiallahu ta'ala anhu participated alongside the Holy Prophet peace be upon him in the Bayt-i Akbar and also the Battle of Badr as well as all other battles. He was martyred during the Battle of Yamama and according to some, Hazrat Numan radiallahu ta'ala anhu was the individual who was martyred by Tulayh during the battle with the apostates after the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. The next companion to be mentioned is Hazrat Uwam bin Sa'ida radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Uwam bin Sa'ida belonged to Banu Amr bin Of which is a branch of the Aus tribe, and Hazrat Uwam radiallahu ta'ala anhu participated in both the first and second bayt at Aqba. According to the reference found in Sirat Khatmun Nabiyyin, i.e. the life and character of the seal of the prophets, prior to the first bayt at Aqba, a group of six Ansar from Medina accepted the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. According to some narrations, eight individuals are mentioned, and Hazrat Uwam bin Sa'ida radiallahu ta'ala anhu was also among them. And according to Tabqatul Kubra, on the occasion of the migration towards Medina, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, formed a bond of brotherhood, i.e. Muakhat, between Hazrat Uwam bin Sa'ida radiallahu ta'ala anhu and Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And according to another narration, it was with Hazrat Hatib bin Abi Balta radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Abdullah bin Zubair radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that he heard the Holy Prophet peace be upon him say that what an exceptional servant of Allah Uwam bin Sa'idah is and he is also among the dwellers of heaven. According to a narration when the following verse of the Holy Quran was revealed that is, in it are men who love to become purified, and Allah loves those who purify themselves. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, upon this stated, 
that what an excellent individual is Uwam bin Sa'idah, who is also among this group of people. Hazrat Uwam bin Sa'idah radiallahu ta'ala anhu participated in all the battles alongside the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, including the Battle of Badr, Uhud and Khandaq. Furthermore, Asim bin Su'aid narrates that he heard from the daughter of Hazrat Uwam bin Sa'idah radiallahu ta'ala anhu that when Hazrat Umar bin Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu stood by the grave of Hazrat Uwam bin Sa'idah, he said, there is no one in the world who can claim that they are better than the one lying in this grave. Uwam stood by the flag of every expedition that was commissioned by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Then, according to another narration, it is mentioned that in the days of ignorance, i.e. prior to the advent of Islam, Suwayd, the father of Haris, killed Ziyad, who was the father of Hazrat Mujazir. After this incident, one day the deceased son, Hazrat Mujazir, was able to overpower Suwayd and killed his father's murderer. Both these incidents occurred before the advent of Islam, and this led to the Battle of Boaz, which was fought between the Aus and Khazraj tribe. Later, after the migration of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to Medina, the sons of both of these individuals who were killed, i.e. Haris bin Suwayd and Hazrat Mujazir bin Ziyad, converted to Islam, and both of them also participated in the Battle of Badr. However, it is not known as to how authentic this narration is, but it states that after accepting Islam, Haris bin Suwayd would look for an opportunity to avenge his father's murder by killing Mujazir. However, he never got the chance. But during the Battle of Uhud, when the Quraysh turned around and attacked the Muslims a second time, Haris bin Suwayd attacked Hazrat Mujazir radiallahu ta'ala anhu from his back and martyred him by striking his neck. And according to another narration, it is also mentioned that Haris bin Suwayd martyred Hazrat Qais bin Zaid also. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was returning from the Battle of Hamra al-Asad, Prophet Jibra'il came to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and he informed him that Haris bin Suwayd was in Quba at the time, and that he was the one who had killed Hazrat Mujazid bin Ziyad by way of deception. The angel Jibrail then said to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that he should kill Haris bin Suwayd for the murder of Hazrat Mujazid bin Ziyad. Upon hearing this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, travelled to Quba immediately. Usually, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would not go to Quba at the time, as it would be very hot. But upon the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's arrival, the Muslims from the Ansar, who were residents of Quba, gathered around him. And Haris bin Suwayd was also among those who had gathered, and he had wrapped himself in one or two yellow sheets of cloth. Upon the instructions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Hazrat Uwamir bin Sa'idah killed Haris bin Suwayd at the entrance of Masjid Quba. The name of the companion being mentioned here is recorded as Uwamir in Siratul Halabiya instead of Uwam. Whereas in all other places such as Tabqat and Ibn Sa'd etc., his name has been recorded as Uwam bin Sa'idah. But in any case, according to another narration, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him did not instruct Uwam bin Sa'idah to kill Su'ed, who had martyred another Muslim by way of deceit. But since they were both Muslims, Therefore, equitable retaliation in the matter of the slain was prescribed, 
However, another narration states that it was Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala anhu who was instructed by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to punish him. And there is yet another narration which mentions that Haris said, By God, I have killed Mujazzar, not because I have turned away from Islam, and neither do I have any doubts about the truthfulness of this religion. But I did this because Satan made me feel a sense of honour and pride to seek revenge. But now I seek repentance from God and His Messenger ﷺ for my action, and I am willing to play the blood money for it, and I shall fast for two months continuously and will free a slave as well. However, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, did not accept Haris' apology, and he was punished by death. Then according to a narration in Siratul Halabiya, Abu Umar states that Hazrat Uwam radiallahu ta'ala anhu passed away during the lifetime of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. However, in another narration it states that Hazrat Uwam radiallahu ta'ala anhu passed away at the age of 65 or 66 during the Khilafat of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. The next companion to be mentioned is Hazrat Numan bin Sinan radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Numan radiallahu ta'ala anhu was among the Ansar and was from the Banu Numan family which belonged to the Khazraj tribe. Ibn Hisham writes that Hazrat Numan radiallahu ta'ala anhu was a freed slave of Banu Numan whereas Ibn Saad has written that he was a freed slave of Banu Ubaid bin Adi. Hazrat Numan radiallahu ta'ala anhu had the opportunity to participate in the battles of Badr and Uhud. The next companion is Hazrat Antara, Mawla Sulaim radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Antara radiallahu ta'ala anhu was the freed slave of Hazrat Sulaim bin Amr. And Hazrat Antara radiallahu ta'ala anhu was Salami Zakwani and was the chief of the Banu Sawad bin Ghadam tribe, which was a branch of the Ansar. Hazrat Andra partook in the battles of Badr and Uhud and was martyred on the day of the Battle of Uhud by Nofal bin Muawiyah Dili. According to a narration, Hazrat Andra's demise was during the Battle of Sifin, during the era of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu in 37 Hijri. The next companion to be mentioned is Hazrat Numan bin Abd Amr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Numan radiallahu ta'ala anhu was a member of the Banu Dinar bin Najr branch of the Khazraj tribe from among the Ansar. His father's name was Abd Amr bin Masood and his mother's name was Sumaira bin Taqais. Hazrat Numan bin Abd Amr radiallahu ta'ala anhu participated in the battle of Badr and Uhud and his brother Zahag bin Abd Amr also took part in the battle of Badr with him. Hazrat Numan bin Abd Amr radiallahu ta'ala anhu was granted the status of martyrdom in the battle of Uhud. Hazrat Numan and Hazrat Zahag also had a third brother whose name was Qutbah, and he also enjoyed the honour of being a companion of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And Hazrat Qutbah radiallahu ta'ala anhu was martyred in the incident of Bere Mauna. Muhammad bin Saad bin Abi Waqas relates 
that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, passed by a woman from the Banu Dinar tribe, whose husband, brother and father had all partaken in the battle of Uhud, and all of them were martyred at Uhud. When some people came to her to extend condolences, she only asked them that how is the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. The people replied that, O mother of so-and-so, he is well and good, and all praise to Allah, he is just as you desire to see him. Upon this, this woman replied that, Show me, I wish to see the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. So the people pointed towards the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And when she saw the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, she said that all other calamities pale in comparison. Similarly, in another narration, there is also mention found of this woman's son being martyred. Hazrat Anas bin Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu relates that at the battle of Uhud, the inhabitants of Medina became greatly agitated on account of a rumor spread that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had been martyred. This agitation was so disturbing that the alleyways of Medina began to hear screams of agony. So an Ansari woman left her house on account of the commotion. She saw in front of her the dead bodies of her brother, son and husband. The narrator states that I do not know who she saw first, but when she reached the last of the three, she asked that who are these people? The people informed her that these are your brother, your son and your husband. But she asked in return that how is the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam? The people informed her that he had returned. The woman walked until she came to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and grabbed hold of his mantle, saying, that, O Messenger of Allah wasallam, may my father and mother be sacrificed for you. When you are well and good, then I have no fear of any loss incurred. According to one narration, the name of this woman was Sumera bin Tiqais, who was the mother of Numan bin Abd Amr radiallahu anhu. Hazrat Muslim Aud radiallahu ta'ala anhu has on one occasion mentioned this incident and he states that among the noble companions of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him such examples of bravery are, fa- are found aplenty. Among worldly people one would hardly find one or two examples of such sacrifices from the millions of people spread across hundreds of nations. However, from among the few thousands of the Prophet's companions are found hundreds of such examples of bravery. How lofty and wonderful is the example which relates to a woman. Hazrat Muslim anhu further states, I have quoted this incident many a time. I have also mentioned this several times as well. Hazrat Muslim anhu continues, I have quoted this incident many a time, which is worthy of being mentioned in every gathering, and one which should remain fresh in our memory. Some incidents are so spectacular that despite being recollected time and time again, they never grow old. Likewise is the incident of a woman who heard during the battle of Uhud that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had been martyred. Greatly distressed at hearing this, she left her house along with other women of Medina. And as soon as she saw the first rider returning from Uhud, she asked him, How is the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him? The man replied, Your husband has been killed. The lady replied that I asked you about the Messenger of Allah وسلم, and you are telling me about my husband? The man then replied that your father has also been killed. Again the lady replied, I asked you about the Messenger of Allah وسلم, and you tell me about my father. The man then said that both of your brothers have also been killed. But once again the woman replied, 
to just simply answer my question. I do not ask about my relations, but about the Messenger of Allah wasallam. Because this companion's heart was already content in knowing that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was fine, so in his estimation, it was most important to inform the woman about the demise of her relatives. However, in her estimation, the most beloved thing was the person of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. This is why the woman sternly asked the man to answer her question, to which he replied that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, is safe and well. Upon hearing this, the woman exclaimed, When he is alive, then I have nothing to grieve about, no matter who dies. And it is obvious that compared to this example, as the Muslim old states, that it is obvious that compared to this example of the female companion, the example of another bereaved a woman pales in comparison, whose heart seemed heavy with sorrow, and who was crying in her heart. Hazrat Muslim Anhu was comparing this to an example of another woman whose heart was grieved and who was crying in her heart but did not express it. Hazrat Muslim Anhu further states, However, this was not the case with the female companion. It was not that she was keeping her emotions pressed down and that she was crying on the inside while not expressing it outwardly. Rather, in the case of this female companion, she was truly happy from the bottom of her heart as well, that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was alive and well. The woman, Hazrat Muslim anhu, was referring to, her heart had certainly sustained a trauma, i.e. the lady he is referring to in this statement of his, or whatever the newspapers had written about her in that era that Hazrat Muslim anhu is referring to. However, in the case of this female companion, Hazrat Muslim writes, there was no grief in her heart at all. And this is such a grand example that the history of the world cannot bring its parallel to match. So tell me, if regarding such people it had not been said that and from among them are those who have truly fulfilled their oaths, then what other nation was there in the world regarding whom these words could have been said? Hazrat Muslim then further states, Whenever I read the account of this woman, my heart becomes filled with respect and honour for her, and my heart desires to touch the mantle of this pure and holy woman, and then touch my hands upon my eyes in respect, for she left behind an unparalleled expression of honour for my beloved Prophet ﷺ. Then, explaining this very same love and affection, Hazrat Muslim states at another place, and look how deeply this woman loved the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. People told her of the news of her husband, brother and father's demise, one after the other. But in response, each time she only continued to ask, that tell me about the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. The point is that this too was just a woman who demonstrated such astonishing love for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Muslim anhu then further explains that try to envisage the state of affairs where each and every one of you have witnessed one passing away. Everyone loses their loved ones, be it their mother, their father, some witness their brother or sister passing away. But just try to imagine the state of one who is dying, who gets excellent and exquisite food prepared for him by his relatives or cooked at home and is given treatment and is greatly taken care of. And there is utter commotion in the house, as if the world has come to an end. And on the other hand, the one dying has no thought other than his own death. However, 
The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, instilled such a love in the hearts of the companions that they had no worry for anything other than the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. This love was only due to the fact that he was the beloved of God Almighty. If they had developed a love for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, it was only because he was loved by God Almighty. And this love was not because he was Muhammad wasallam. In fact, this love was because he was Rasulullah, i.e. the Messenger of Allah wasallam. These people were in fact the devoted lovers of God Almighty. And because God Almighty loved Muhammad, the Messenger of Allah wasallam, therefore the companions too developed a love for him. This is not only the case with the men, but observe just how the women also developed a love and affection for him in their hearts. Hazrat Muslim Aud ta'ala anhu then related the account of that female companion. Hazrat Muslim Aud ta'ala anhu then further states, This was the love which God Almighty placed in their hearts for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Even still, they gave precedence to God Almighty over all else, and this was in fact the unity which allowed them to prevail over the whole world. In comparison to God Almighty, they neither cared for their parents, nor their siblings, or even their spouses. There was only one objective in mind, and that was that their Lord be pleased with them. It was for this very reason why God Almighty stated regarding them that radiyallahu anhum, that is, Allah is well pleased with them. They prioritized God Almighty over everything, and in turn God Almighty gave them precedence. But this was not the case with the Muslims later on. And if they now have any connection with God Almighty, it is merely in their heads. They assume belief in God Almighty and in the oneness of God, but this is not the case of their hearts. If the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, is mentioned before them, they express intense love for him. And the same goes for when a relative of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, is mentioned. Shias and Sunnis alike are all filled with emotions at the mention of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and his close ones. Yet, they do not show the same love when the discussion is about God Almighty, despite the fact that it is He who gifted us the Holy Prophet, peace be upon Him. Therefore, we must develop a passion in our hearts for the love and the name of God Almighty, because true progress can only be derived from the love of God Almighty and in remaining firmly established upon the oneness of God Almighty. Hence, this is the fundamental principle which each and every one of us must keep in mind. May Allah the Almighty enable us to develop the true understanding of the love of God Almighty and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Now I shall mention about two individuals who recently passed away and will lead their funeral prayers in absentia after the Friday sermon. The first is of Madud Ahmed Khan Sahib, Amir of the Karachi Jamaat, who was the son of Nawab Masood Ahmed Khan Sahib. He passed away on 14th July at the age of 78. Inna lillahi wa inna to Allah do we belong and to Him do we return. Madud Ahmed Khan Sahib was born on 12th April in 1941 in Qadian to Masood Ahmed Khan Sahib and Tayyibah Siddiqa Sahiba. He was the paternal grandson of Hazrat Nawab Mubarak Begum Sahiba and Hazrat Nawab Muhammad Ali Khan Sahib and he was the maternal grandson of Dr. Mir Muhammad Ismail Sahib. 
Modood Ahmed Khan Sahib attained his LLB degree from the Punjab University and then spent some time practicing with Hazrat Sheikh Muhammad Ahmed Sahib Mazhar. He then joined a very well-known law firm named Or Dignam & Co. and he moved to Dhaka where he worked for approximately 52 years for this company. In fact, he became a senior partner and was considered among the senior corporate lawyers of Pakistan. Modood Ahmed Khan Sahib was an expert in international commercial law banking and corporate law and was very well known in this regard. He also composed some of the corporate laws of Pakistan and was offered the directorship of large companies in Pakistan. Yet he always refused, saying that those holding such positions are always accused of corruption, even if one has done nothing wrong. Therefore, this could be a cause of bringing the name of the Jamaat into disrepute due to the actions of someone else. And that is why he said he wished to avoid this. Besides his wife, he is survived by two children, a son and a daughter. His son also works in the field of law, whilst his daughter lives in Canada with her husband. And her husband, i.e. the son-in-law of Madud Khan Sahib, is the great-grandson of Mirza Mubarak Ahmed Sahib. Madud Ahmed Khan Sahib was appointed the Amir of the Karachi district in October 1996 and prior to this, he served as the Naib Amir and External Affairs Secretary. He also served as the Director of the Fazlumar Foundation, the Nasir Foundation and the Tahir Foundation. And furthermore, due to the difficult circumstances of the Jamaat in 1984, he also kept good relations with the press. His wife, Amtul Momin Sahiba, is the daughter of Malik Umar Ali Sahib, and her mother was Sayyida Sayyida Begum Sahiba, who was the daughter of Hazrat Mir Muhammad Ishaq Sahib. Amtul Mumin Sahiba says that he was a very humble, courteous, compassionate, modest and kind person, and no matter who developed a relationship with him, they would all say that it felt as if they had known each other for years, be they youngest of the workers in the Jamaat or the most senior members. She further writes that I did not find any aspect of his life where he failed to discharge his duties as a father or a husband. He was an ideal husband, father and a person. Everyone who came in contact with him would be greatly influenced by him. His son Memun Khan Sahib writes that he was a model father. From a young age he instilled within us the importance of prayer and from an early age he would take me along to the mosque for the Fajr prayer. He would advise us to respect our elders and to assist them. He was a great influence for both my sister and I, and he was regular in his prayers and would be ever ready to offer any financial sacrifice. He further writes, Whenever we would visit Rabba, he would take us to Bahishti Makbara and would inform us about the companions and other elders of the community. He was a very humble man and content with whatever he had and he would meet the poor with a lot of humility. However, 
he would never meet his in charge or someone superior in a manner that perhaps it would assist his progress or that it would be beneficial for him in any way. Rather, he always maintained his dignity when in front of his seniors. And his wife states that I would often joke with him saying that he meets everyone with great enthusiasm, but whenever he would meet a senior or someone in charge, he would maintain a set decorum, and it seemed as if in such circumstances his title of Nawab would precede him. He rendered great services for those that were wrongfully imprisoned in sin and also for the families of those that had been martyred. His wife writes that he would take her along on official visits and would take great care of those families and give them gifts. Hospitality of guests was one of his prominent attributes and one that everyone mentioned about him. His wife writes, Sometimes he would phone ten minutes before and say a certain number of guests are coming, so I should prepare the food. And as soon as he would mention about expected guests over the phone, he immediately put the phone down to prevent any justifications. He had immense love and respect for Khilafat and always showed sincerity. His son writes that he would always urge the children, including my sister and I, to write a letter to the Khalifa once a week to explain our present situation and would say for us to fax the letter and increase our bond with the institution of Khilafat. He was suffering from cancer for the past two years and was undergoing treatment for this. And by the grace of Allah the Almighty, he had recovered and wrote to me saying that he has started going to the office and is carrying out most of the work as before. However, a few days ago, he suddenly fell ill and it seems as though during this time he suffered a heart attack and could not be revived. And when he was being treated for cancer, the doctors treating him said that they were greatly impressed by him. And they said that he showed great patience and then during the conversation they learned that he was also a very learned scholar. And his son says that whenever we would go to the hospital, the doctors would stand up out of respect when they would see us. He further says that some non-Ahmadi youths also came to offer their condolences and said, that the deceased's morals and mentoring had a great impact upon their lives. Madud Khan Sahib's wife then further states that one of his special attributes was that he was always punctual in giving chanda. He had, had a good income and was wealthy. And I never inquired about his income, nor did I ever have the courage to ask him about it. But if I ever happened to see the chanda list, I would get an idea of how much chanda he would give. Similarly, there was a long list of chanda that he would give on behalf of the deceased relatives. He would say to me that we ought to limit our personal expenditure and give more chanda for the jamaat. She further states that sometimes it would seem as though he would earn solely to give it in the way of the jamaat. He was extremely averse to people criticizing others and many people have mentioned this about him. I am also a witness to this that he disliked it severely and would stop everyone from doing so. His wife writes that he would not listen to complaints against anyone 
and was averse to backbiting. One advice he would always give to us was that one ought not to rely on anyone and that one should strive to the utmost so that one does not blame anyone. Major Bashir Tariq Sahib writes that I once said to Madud Khan Sahib and perhaps he was serving as Naib Amir or in another office and said to him that he was too soft and that he ought to be a bit stricter as one needs to be strict at certain times. But to this he replied that how can one deal in a strict manner with volunteers who take time out to serve the Jamaat? Thus he worked with everyone in a loving manner. The Qaideen and Khuddam have also written to me saying that he would work together in a loving manner and he performed his duties with them. When the situation in Karachi worsened, the Markaz, i.e. the headquarters, instructed that the Umarah should be accompanied by Khuddam for security purpose. And he would always look after them, and when he would arrive home, he would tell the Khuddam to inform him on his phone when they arrived home safely. One of the Qaideen has written that sometimes if I do not have transport at home, he would give me his car saying that take the car so you can get home safely. His daughter writes that our father presented us with a great example of the belief in God, loyalty to Khilafat, and how one ought to show obedience to the institution of Khilafat. He would always remind us to follow these principles, and he would listen to Jalsa Salana proceedings regularly. Even during his illness, he would watch the Jalsa during MTA. He would tell me every day that I ought to listen to it also. The Jalsa Salana of Canada and Germany took place at the same time, and a daughter who lives in Canada says that he informed her that he was watching the Jalsa Germany. It was his habit to regularly listen to the sermons, and he would always observe the fasts in the month of Ramadan. He would never travel in Ramadan, nor make any programs in this month, so that one can spend Ramadan in the way it ought to be observed. This is also a lesson for those people who do not fast owing to small trivial matters or due to their travels. Sayyid Hussain Ahmed, who is Madud Sahib's cousin and a missionary who has served in Karachi, says that during his stay in Karachi, I was serving as a missionary. And whenever we would be faced with a difficulty during an ijlas of the Amla, he would say that all of this is God's work. All we have to do is put even the smallest effort. Therefore, strive to the utmost of your abilities. He would stand up to greet everyone and he would listen intently to anyone who made a request from him and then would take the necessary action. He would take great care of the orphans, widows and the poor to the best of his abilities, and despite the limited resources of the Jamaat, he would ensure that they were cared for. A lady from Karachi, Maryam Samar Saiba, says that he was not only a benevolent father to his own children, but in fact he was a compassionate father for the entire Karachi Jamaat. He would be involved in the happiness and sorrow of everyone and he would care for everyone. He was very humble and had deep insight of all matters. During one program his name was written as Nawab Modul Khan and so he crossed out the word Nawab. The Deputy Amir Qureshi Mahmood Sahib states that during his tenure as an Amir he guided the members of the Karachi Jamaat like a loving and compassionate father. He was very much liked by all an extremely affectionate and well-respected individual.
He was extremely patient and forbearing, and humility was a very notable trait of his personality. And irrespective of whether it was someone senior or a child, rich or poor, educated or non-educated, he would meet everyone in a very loving manner and would listen to whatever they had to say very attentively and then advise them accordingly. Regardless of whether the person coming to meet him was a senior or a junior to him, he would always get up from his seat and meet them, and in order to fulfill his Jamaat responsibilities, he would work for many hours late into the night. He would go straight to his Jamaat office from his work office and would work there until 10pm. He further writes that he made great effort in trying to encourage the children and the youth of the Jamaat to acquire education and in his capacity as an Amid, he would forge a personal connection with each secretary of the department and the local presidents and would regularly advise them on the departments. The Sadr Ansarullah of Pakistan writes that he was always deeply concerned about the education and moral training of the Jamaat. He further states, I went on an official visit of his Jamaat to attend a refresher course for office bearers and he came to me and said with a lot of heartfelt pain that only three members from the Ansarullah attended the Fajr prayer at the mosque even though many of them lived nearby and owned cars and therefore could easily reach the mosque. He further added, that all the office bearers are attending the meeting and therefore I should tell them that first and foremost they should bring about a pious and pure transformation within themselves and pay particular attention towards worship and to also be concerned about the education and moral training of their children and the young generation. The Sadr Ansarullah states that he said this to him with great anguish. Then another lady has written, that while we were travelling to Qadian, India, and each one of us who was travelling had some Indian currency in their possession. Initially, we were told that we had permission to take this currency, but were later informed that we were not allowed. She states that we were all given a form to declare our currency. However, one of the workers at the Indian Immigration Office said that although we were not permitted to take our currency, but since we had not intentionally done this, therefore we should not mention it on the form, and just simply take it with us. However, Amir Sahib did not listen to him and declared whatever money he had, which was not a little amount. In fact, it was around 25 to 30,000 rupees. But once again, the immigration officer said that he should not declare that he had any money. Otherwise, in accordance with the law, they would have to seize the money. However, despite this, he declared whatever amount he had with utmost honesty and happily gave the money away for them to seize. He did not take any advantage of any leniency afforded to him. And as I mentioned earlier, and some of the Khudam Lahmdiya members have also written, that he would always express his gratitude to those on duty. They said that he would thank them in such a manner as if they had done some great personal favour for him. Imtiaz Hussain Shahid Sahib, who is the Amir of Karachi Rig Road, states that if I were to encapsulate his entire personality, the qualities which would be most notable would be his meekness, 
humility, love for Khilafat and respect for the Nizam al Jamaat, i.e. the administration of the Jamaat. He further states that in 2016 a local administration was established in Karachi and I was appointed as its Amir. He says I went to a Mir Sahib of the district and told him that I had been entrusted with a huge responsibility. However, he replied that indeed it was a huge responsibility but that I should always remember that whenever I am faced with a difficulty I should write to the Khalifa of the time for prayers and God Almighty shall grant his blessings. And he said that he also does the same. And I would regularly receive his letters every Friday seeking prayers and also prior to any important function or event that took place in Karachi and also when it was close to the end of the financial year. Then, Qaid Khudam al Bilal Hadr Tipu states that Amir Sahib was particularly fond of Surah Al-Mu'minun and many a time when there would be a recitation of the Holy Quran at a Khudam al event he would ask me to assign a portion from Surah Al-Mu'minun and he would then advise in a very loving manner that we should greatly ponder over this surah, particularly the first portion of it. And even today, when I reflect upon this, my heart testifies that he safeguarded his obligatory prayers from all vain matters, and he demonstrated through his own example how a believer can attain true success. He further states that the second piece of advice which he gave me, which I recall, was that he once came to me when I was on my own and said to me, the one key lesson he has learnt in his life is to write letters to the Khalifa of the time every week and he explained this to me in a very loving manner which I am benefiting from this till this day. Indeed, he showed great obedience to Khilafat and had great respect for it. Once there was a function of the Khandan and certain matters came to my attention and I also wrote a letter to him stating that he was also present in that function and such and such things should not have happened and that I did not expect this from him. Subsequently, he wrote to me in which he first apologized and then after this stated that he was also happy to learn that we are not completely free to do whatever we will and that there is always someone there to guide us and morally train us. He then expressed his gratitude to me for this. He was one of my elders in terms of family relations but despite honouring our family relation with great respect, when I was appointed Khalifa, in fact even when I was appointed as Nazri Allah by Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih IV, he showed great obedience towards the Nizam with utmost humility and showed me great respect and loyalty. May God Almighty grant him his forgiveness and mercy and elevate his station and may God Almighty also enable his children to also continue his good deeds. A second funeral prayer is of Khalifa Abdul Aziz Sahib, the Naib Amir of Canada Jamaat, who passed away at the age of 84 on 9th July, owing to heart failure. Surely to Allah we belong, and to him shall we return. He belonged to the renowned Khalifa family of Jammu Kashmir. His father, Hazrat Khalifa Abdul Rahim Sahib, paternal grandfather, Hazrat Khalifa Nuruddin Sahib Jamuni, and paternal grandfather, Hazrat Umar Baksh Sahib, were all companions of the promised Messiah, alayhi salatu wassalam. His paternal grandfather also had the honour of discovering Prophet Jesus salam's grave in Mahallah Khan Yar Kashmir, which the promised Messiah has made reference to on numerous occasions in his books.
He was among the pioneering members of the Jamaat in Canada and he moved to Canada from Pakistan in 1967. He was a lawyer by profession and also established his law firm in Canada and also helped the Jamaat in relation to legal issues and his service to the Canada Jamaat spans over 50 years. He was also the first national president of Canada Jamaat and also the first president of his Qazar board. He rendered his services as the Deputy Amir of Canada right up until his demise, and in 2010 he had the honour of performing Hajj. He was extremely sociable, much loved by everyone, and cheerful person. He had a deep understanding of matters and a sound opinion, and was extremely loyal and devoted individual. And despite his illness, he fulfilled his responsibilities right till his demise with great strength. He had great love for Khilafat, and would strive to his utmost to fulfill any instruction issued from the centre. By the grace of Allah the Almighty, he was a Musi. May God Almighty grant him his forgiveness and mercy, and grant patience and steadfastness to his loved ones, and enable them to continue his good deeds.